Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing all right. All right? All right. Do you not want my stupid love? <laughs> I want your stupid love. Love, 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 mm-hmm. love. We are kindness punks now. I want everyone to know, <laughs> listening, listeners. That's right. We will beat you down with our kindness. Yeah. That's what I got from that video. I don't yeah. know if that's... Um, I got Rita Repulsa. I got... Um... See, she looked more like Scorpina to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, deep cuts. We're getting... <laughs> We've got a ranger in the house, honey. Um, if you don't know, hi, we're the Mixed Reviews. Absolutely. We are a podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, mm-hmm. and we sort of boil it down to its core. We give you a full history, and we talk about what's good, and we talk about what's bad. Yeah, we take two weeks, watch as much as we can on oh, said subject. Oh, boy, did I watch We, I mean, so much. We came into the this um, week being like oh it'll be fun it'll be easy and then we realized oh there's like 35 movies yeah thank you so much by the way because this week is actually a listener suggestion yeah we were kind of like stabbing in the dark after our last week being like what should we talk about yeah there's so much i mean we're in post award season glut now yeah you know the only thing i think that came out this week was invisible man i know so so i was just like what is happening but we did receive a letter from the lovely jane cozens and she gave us multiple suggestions but the one that we hit upon was dreamworks animation yes and she said so much ground to cover for this topic from katzenberg leaving disney the studios moved from traditional animation to cgi and of course the famous disney rivalry absolutely like ding 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 yeah we said you know what let's have some fun the speed is sick (laughs) Um, Before we get into this week's episode, though, a little old business. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Um, Our last episode was, of course, about the legendary Kathy Bates. Oh, my God. So good. And the the reaction seemed really positive. I know. I mean, she has so much goodwill. I think people, when you see her in a movie, you're like, you know you're in for a treat. Uh, because she is such a full-throated actress. She also this seems like a really cool, chill yeah. woman who's been around the block, and she's still making bangers. And once again, she did not steal J-Lo's no. Oscar spot. She doesn't decide those things. She doesn't decide those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, we live and we stand Jennifer Lopez. Absolutely. Um, and But we are not pitting women against women. Not, no. Not here. No. Not on my watch. <laughs> Doc if. Um, so we asked you guys to go onto our Twitter poll and to vote for your favorite Kathy Bates movie. Um, we had a, a, a widespread. I did not put my five-star review I was on the poll because... Reader, I, I was shocked. She was shocked. Um, my pick was um, the home... A home, a home of our own. A home of our own. It clearly made an impact. It, impact. I mean, when I watched it, it really did. But like the the title, whatever. Yeah. Um. But I mean, the the, the, the classics. I had to put them on there. Other came in at seven percent, which included I I I voted twice. Okay. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, Waterboy. Did you go from a secret account? Is that <laughs> uh, the Waterboy is my eighth grade vote? Um, and then my gay vote is Dolores Claiborne, which counts ten times. Yes. Um. Uh, we had someone say the Diabolique remake. Yes, which I, it's so funny. I have such vivid memories of like staying up late and watching that on HBO with my dad. Uh, and we immediately were like, oh, this is a remake. And then we watched the original because it was on PBS like the next week. So good. Anyways, but yeah, I completely forgot that she lived in the Diabolique um, remake. My, my gay vote, Dolores Claiborne, came in at 19%, yeah. which just tells me that. People really need to go out and watch this movie because it was yeah. an underseen movie when it came out. Didn't get as much love as Misery did. Um, but uh, And it's a truly wonderful 90s film. And I feel yeah. like you can't say that about too many films from the 90s. Truly. You may have nostalgic longing for some films in the 90s. Let me tell you. Yeah. They're probably not good. Yeah, it's probably not great. And, and you know what? That's fine. Looking I, at you, Hook. Ah, <laughs> clock. Um, Fried Green Tomatoes, which was Gavin's pick, came in at 30%. 
And then Misery came out on top on 44%. Um, I want to make an extra special shout out to Megan B, um, who tweeted at us a picture of her, us in um, her, um, I don't know, this Misery cosplay. Yes, it was um, a Halloween costume. And it looks so amazing. Yeah. The, the beer can for the axe. I, is yes. so funny. I have met Megan before. She is amazing. A delight. And, yeah, an absolute delight. And I, I really appreciate her posting her Halloween pictures because they are so good. She said that she loves Kathy Bates and Dolores Claiborne, but the Halloween costume says it all. Yeah. Um, you know, Misery was what put her on the map. And there's a reason why. She is so good. Oh, yeah. I have uh, no anger towards this no. poll at all. Absolutely, Misery deserves it. And I'm mm-hmm. um, glad you guys dig it, too. I'm <laughs> oh. <laughs> so cool and hip. I sound like a 50s. I know, you dig. Glad kiddios dig it. Kiddios, huh? <laughs> yep. Oh, really digging in, huh? I am in my 30s. <laughs> What's that like? No, imagine. I'm in my 30s too. Relax. I know you are. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> um, but okay, so Kathy Bates, we love, we stand, um, we are moving on. Yes. Um, and so, like we said, this week we are talking all about DreamWorks animation. Uh, we've talked about animation. Uh, twice maybe on this. Yes, uh, I t- well technically three times because we did a yes. Miyazaki episode, we did Pixar, <sighs> yes, and we did the Disney Renaissance. That's what's funny. We so and I was thinking about this. Like we're we are in this episode going to try and do all of DreamWorks animation. I know, as opposed to when we did our Renaissance episode, that was a very limited amount yeah, of Disney nine movies. Nine films in the Disney Renaissance, and and effectively one of the interesting things that'll happen in this episode is you can kind of see this as a sequel to the Disney Renaissance episodes yep. because there is one prominent key player oh, yeah. that will carry over oh, yeah. into the creation of DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, gotta say, I love our Miyazaki episode. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, which is our other animated. And then we also talked about Pixar, um, which, I mean, has effectively been <laughs> DreamWorks' main rival in yeah. its 25 years of a- animation history. Yeah. And it's a little bit uh, difficult to talk about. I mean, when, in Pixar, you know, there have been a handful of movies that have come out since that episode. Right. And um, as we sit now uh, talking about uh, DreamWorks animation, there are certainly a lot more uh, um, queued up for the future. So these are kind of like amorphous, ever-growing lists. Um, but uh, we watched as much as we could for uh, right now. Can I Can I tell you, the, by the way, Louis? This um, pile of paper is... This, yes. <laughs> this is all my research. Um, <laughs> can I tell you that I, I didn't, until this morning, make the accomplishment that I thought I would, but I have seen... No. All 38... Wow. Let me see the list. Let me see animations list. films. I know that I am missing... Uh, I, I tried um, to find... Uh, well, also fine, but also have the courage to watch Trolls. Um, couldn't find her. Uh, but there are a lot. I mean, there are kind of like some deep cuts in here. I w- yes. I was like, I don't remember Megamind at all. Yeah. Um, I was encouraged to rewatch Megamind. And let me tell you, it was a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. The latest of the, the canon is Abominable that came out uh, last fall. Last, yeah. Um, because they... There's a certain number of movies DreamWorks likes to pride themselves on uh, having a year. It's around two. Sometimes they set the lofty goal of three for themselves. And I don't think they've ever... They've accomplished it once. But I, I, I think three animated movies a year is insane. Especially you saw Shark thing. Tale? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I finally finished it this morning. Shark Tale. Let me tell you, before we even get into the, mm-hmm. to the history of this... Uh, Shark Tale, I tried watching for the Will Smith episode and had to turn it off yeah. half an hour in because yeah. I hated it so much. Yeah. I finished it this morning. Good for you, Gavin. Yeah, yeah. We're changing lives here at the Mixed Reviews, we ladies really and gentlemen. Are. Okay. There is a pre-Shark Tale, Gavin, and a post-Shark Tale, Gavin. Yeah. And you're living in that post-Shark Tale world with me now. Honestly, Shark Tale, 
We stand Christina Aguilera. Yeah. And Missy Elliott. <laughs> there you go. Anybody well, who can drop like... Is it, like oh, the song's Car Wash. Car Wash. Right. Yeah. And Missy Elliott says like, this is a Shark Tale song or something in the... Wow. Like, wow. Oh, just get it in there. What's funny is like, I think we're going to talk a lot about how DreamWorks just loves pimping out celebrities. Yeah. And... That it, is their bread and butter. Comp- I, I mean, clearly like, you know, it's an easy check, whatever, but it, the... Katzenberg's like ability just to be like oh you want your own movie yeah. to, a, a real action movie like why don't you fucking like come over here and record some lines for this first um, because it from the beginning from Prince of Egypt till now it's like celebrity yeah and absolutely that, and that's the T so I think that's a perfect place for us to get into our rewind so let's go let's go picture it okay October 12th 1994 mm. Jeffrey Katzenberg He's out at Disney. No more. And like I said, if you've not listened to our Disney Renaissance episode, that is a perfect place to end, you know, that and start the new era because essentially... Katzenberg is out. Yeah. He comes together with... And wait, wait, also, he's not just out. He, like, leaves in a, like, in a huff. Yeah. There is, you know, is he fired? Does he quit? He's definitely pushed out. Right. He's his services are no longer required. Well, he also point. he he wanted a job yeah. that was vacant. That was like basically like the head honchess, and they were like, no, yep. And so he was like, fuck you guys. Yeah, I'm leaving. Absolutely. It's the same thing where like your boss just makes your job harder until you quit. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. I got fired, and this is one of those moments where suddenly everything that worked, nothing worked. And, uh, and so Michael and I got sideways with one another uh, very quickly and, and, and in a way that became this amazing eruption. And, um, and he fired me. But also, like, he's a billionaire, so I don't, I don't uh, feel don't, bad. Okay, yeah, also, do not, do not feel bad about Jeffrey Katzenberg. No, he's he, fine. He is essentially the villain of the Disney Renaissance episode. Yes. And then he comes in and is the hero of the DreamWorks one. So let's, let's begin October 12th, 1994. He comes together with a trio of uh, entertainment players, if you will. Rich people. Rich people. Um, little names you may never have heard yeah. of. Uh, film director and producer Steven Spielberg. Obscure. And music executive David Geffen. Unheard of. Yeah. And I uh, partnered in 1994 with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. Uh, the three of us do actually do not have a college degree, so whatever that's worth. For... So they found DreamWorks SKG together. SKG, by the way, and I'm an idiot. I, Took me yeah. forever to be like, oh, Spielberg, Spielberg Katzenberg, Katzenberg, Geffen. Geffen. Lol. <laughs> um, the dream does work. <laughs> and so uh, Spielberg comes in and he brings over artists from Amblin- Amblimation, which had essentially made like three films. You know, they made like Favo Goes West and you know, nothing huge, nothing, you know, that's maybe the most memorable. Um, and some of Amblimation's artists come over uh, to DreamWorks in 95 after their last feature was completed. And then the rest of the crew comes over in 97. They were London based. Um, so in 95, DreamWorks signs, and guys, I gotta say, there's gonna be a lot of business talk in this episode. It's not boring. We're trying our best to not make it boring. Yeah. But, like, that's what this is. DreamWorks is very, like, in the weeds. Because it's owned by, like, corporations and different people and players, it's not, like, there was no, like, Magic Walt Disney character who, like, 
this uh you know circles around like a sun it's right. it's basically like jeffrey katzenberg wheeling and dealing and if you remember from the disney renaissance episode jeffrey katzenberg wanted to be the new walt disney mm-hmm. and in dreamworks animation he kind of gets it he kind of is yeah but only like 70 percent, but only like it's not in the like you know uh homegrown of it all it, he's he's a businessman yeah you know? he's like jay-z he's he, not a businessman he's a business man, man. uh so they p- partner in a co-production deal with pacific data images uh which is essentially creating a unit which will make cg animated films for them now, DreamWorks' first gamble is the fact that they're going to start creating hand-drawn animation films and CG animated films in tandem. The first film of theirs comes out in 1998. It's called Ants. Mm-hmm. It stars Woody Allen. I mean, literally, Katzenberg, as we mentioned in the Renaissance episode, calls Woody Allen, gets him away from Disney. Yep. And offers him this so he can have a deal for his next couple films. And they rushed this movie out before... they. Had, I think they had started at Prince of Egypt before Ants. Yes. But they rushed Ants out just to make... They thought it was going to be a bigger splash. They wanted it to get out before A Bug's Life. They wanted to say, we're DreamWorks and we're making uh, complicated and like the future of movies or of animation. Weaver, give me a leg up. Everyone, listen to me. Who the heck are you? He's Z. Listen, we gotta help each other get out of here before we all drown. How? By making a ladder. A ladder? Hey, if we built this, we can do anything. Okay, let's move it. I'm on it. And it does. It comes out before A Bug's Life. Uh, Neither is necessarily a huge hit. Right. Um, Ants is not anywhere near as big as A Bug's Life, but A Bug's Life was sort of... Uh, it was Pixar's second film, and it was sort yeah. of their gambit, yep. and it, it didn't necessarily pay off for them either. Of course, the, their next film blew it out of the water, so it didn't matter. They're, they were fine. Yeah. I like A Bug's Life, so I like I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a... Uh, Ants is defender. a weird movie. Yeah, Ants is not my fave. Jennifer um, Lopez. Yes. Sexy Ant. <laughs> Name- as, as I've always said, yes. and I've just been waiting for someone to cast yeah. it that way. Azteca. <laughs> um, in the same year, Prince of Egypt comes out. Um, and it does incorporate some CGI technology, but for the most part is a traditional animated film. And it is very clear that it is created as a direct competition to those animated films that Disney oh. was doing in the Renaissance. Absolutely. And we don't see a lot. I mean, it's a musical. Yes. Um, DreamWorks is not known for its musicals. I don't know. If, are there be, beyond that movie and, um, Joseph and the King of uh, Dreams? Joseph, King of Dreams. And I like, Sinbad has some songs in it, and um, uh, Rodel Dorado is also oh, like right. has the Elton John, kind Tim of. Rice, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Prince of Egypt is the most analogous to the Disney Renaissance musicals. Yes. Um, I mean, they snatched uh, Stephen Schwartz to yeah. write um, lyrics and music, um, and he had done a lot of. I mean, he's just so fucking famous. He did Hunchback, Pocahontas, right? Um, and and you no. Know, Absolutely famous in the musical realm, too. He wrote Godspell, and he goes on to write Wicked. So he's a name. (laughs) A little shitty musical called Wicked. (laughs) Yeah, you may never heard of it. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting about this, and and you, if you're getting the broader picture, is Katzenberg is basically a nightmare ex-girlfriend. Yeah. He's going around calling all your friends, Mm -hmm. telling them how badly you treated him. Yeah. And is like, but if you stay friends with me, here's all the stuff I can do for you. Yeah. And that's literally like, I mean, that, that sounds skeezy, but this is what business is. Yeah. And, and he's, I mean, 
I, I mean, I don't know. This is all conjecture, but I can imagine he was like, no, this is the future. Disney right. is going down the drain. Right. You know, Absolutely. they don't have, I mean, and, and to be fair, at the end of the Renaissance, they were kind of rudderless, right. unsure of what the future was. And you can I mean, see we that. we talked about Tarzan. Yeah. I was going to say, you can see that in Tarzan um, and their movies after that. And so DreamWorks, and especially him, he, he had all these relationships. Imagine you and Steven Spielberg just hopping around um, Hollywood and being like, Hey guys, come on! Like let's let's do and right and Prince of Egypt. You've got like Sandra Bullock, uh, you, you know it, Woody Allen, like all yeah. these movies. <laughs> my full favorite, of stars. My favorite thing about Prince of Egypt is Jeff Goldblum has maybe four lines. Yeah. In it. like literally doesn't need to be Jeff Goldblum. Could, could be anybody. Anybody. Steve Martin and yeah. Martin Short as the like evil guys. Yeah. Like, they 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 have one song. Yeah, and they have a little this and that. I do appreciate, by the way, there is a continuance of relationships that happen amongst these films. And I do think that's a, a kind of interesting thing that Katzenberg is able to do is he creates these friendships with these actors mm-hmm. and is able to pull them in later on. You get Jennifer Lopez from Ants later on in Home. You get like Steve Martin also in Home. You know, it's all these people that he's able to. Justin Timberlake has a song in Shark Tale. Eventually becomes one of their voice actors, Shrek 3, and uh, Trolls. Trolls. So it's interesting that he's farming these relationships um, in a way that I think Disney doesn't. Disney doesn't like to repeat their actors. They don't like to repeat their voice talent. I don't know if it's necessarily a, like, kids won't understand sort of thing, but it's... uh, I mean, it's not like these stars have dimmed. I mean, it'd be one thing if every movie they did had Val Kilmer in it, like Prince of Egypt, but... Clearly, there is a relationship that he's fostering. And they also, I mean, it's so aggressive when you see, like, B-movie, you're like, that's fucking Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. And that was, like, a passion project of Jerry Seinfeld. Well, they, like, when you see a Disney movie, like, they don't look like these actors, but, like... The guy, they clearly it's like oh Jennifer Lopez make her the fucking sexy aunt yeah like uh, Shark Tale you the main fish looks like Will Smith yeah. Angelina Jolie's like sexy dangerous yeah. fish looks like a sexy dangerous Angelina Jolie yeah so yeah um, the only one I think is like Renee Zellweger in Shark Tale where they're just like don't make her look like that Renee Zellweger <laughs> who also is in um, B movie yes as the once again fostering those relationships. Mm-hmm. In 97, they partnered with Ardman Animation's very famous British stop-motion animation studio. And what's interesting about that is suddenly DreamWorks has a hand in every pot. Yeah, you, They have traditional animation, they have CG animation, they have stop-motion. Prince of Egypt, by the way, and we should mention this, proves to be a big hit. Mm-hmm. And I do think it, it was a little scary for Disney. And what's interesting is it, it, sent, it cements two things for... Um, DreamWorks is that they instantly become a competitor the way that no other animation studio yeah. ever. Maybe the most threatening was Don Blue's Anastasia. Yeah. But, and even that though, like, I mean, Anastasia was clearly trying to be like in the Disney mold, right. like Prince of Egypt was. But, like, before that, there was not famous actors. Right. There was not like big music things. Like, there was none of that. This, Anastasia aside, like, this was marketing, McDonald's, toys, like, I mean, and this is a fucking movie about Moses. Yeah. Like, that's, well, I was going to say, that's the other scary thing. But real quick before I do that, the other thing that it cements is that DreamWorks will release PG-related, mm. uh, PG-rated films. Unlike Disney, who goes for a hard G, DreamWorks films will allow themselves to be both a little more adults. Yeah. 
a little more aimed at an adult audience as well as a children's audience. And it's an interesting thing because I think, like, for better or for worse, it's a smart move because it does separate them from Disney. Yeah. And it allows them to give more mature storylines and also lends to more poop and fart jokes. But Right. I mean, but also it's like, I mean, when they released Prince of Egypt, they were like, this is prestige. Yes. This is not... Yeah, I mean... Like, I'm sure we'll talk about Prince of Egypt more later, but, like, they're like, this is not Pocahontas, you know, like, fun and fancy free. This is literally, like, <laughs> right. some, some some tough material. And so their relationship with Ardman, they think, is, like, their golden ticket. They release Chicken Run in 2000. Um, stop motion takes a very, very long time. Uh, and I'm going to get Ardman out of the way real quick because I feel like Ardman is maybe one of their first disasters. You think? Yeah. So what happens is, you know, they go on to produce um, Flushed Away, which they had a handle in. Ardman decides they're not going to do Flushed Away as um, see, as a stop motion. There's too much water. It's mm. going to be their first CG rendered film. It was a pitch during, you know, they allowed anybody in the Ardman Studios to pitch to them for their DreamWorks deal. It was a pitch that was accepted. Uh, this is from an article in 2006 written by Lorem M. Holson, I believe in the New York Times. It's called, Is the, 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 That All, Folks? Oh. Uh, Ardman executives chafes, chafed at the control DreamWorks try to exert, particularly over Flushed Away, according to people apprised of the situation, who asked not to be identified because of the sensitive nature of the relationship. As a result, the two companies have decided to split, and Ardman is expected to begin looking for a new distributor in the United States, said the people. Ardman executives did not return phone calls seeking comment. A DreamWorks spokesman said the studio had no immediate plans to make movies with Ardman after Flushed Away. Now, they had a seven-movie deal with yeah. them. They released two and distributed Walls and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Right. Um, but that was the end of their relationship with... Yeah. And I just think it's interesting to see them partner with a studio and then try and mold it into something they want. But that's Katzenberg's way. Yeah. Katzenberg's very, like, it's my way or the highway, as you heard during the Disney Renaissance episode. I mean, Flushed Away and all the art movies, they're very British. Yes. They're, like, the humor is not... American centric at all. No. And if if you don't appreciate that flavor, that you know that that spe- specificity, like it's you know uh, I don't know. Like a, a part of me is like, if you are the the DreamWorks thing is like you know in your face, loud, blah blah. Walsh and Gromit, like Gromit doesn't even talk, you know. Yeah. Like and and Flushed Away, like a lot of the humor is very British based, and like it's. Uh, I actually rewatched Flushed Away because I remember not liking it. I appreciated it much more, but I think it says something about the maturity level of yeah. oh. of the humor in it. And admittedly, once again, there are a lot of like you know he gets flushed down a toilet. Yeah. There's a lot of like potty humor and whatnot, but for the most part, it's like a very sophisticated Absolutely. tale. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like the same thing when you uh, uh, why Americans are when you like when we talked about Miyazaki films, like they are so much different than, you know, American animation films because a lot of ours are poop jokes and like tailored to kids and whatever. I don't think it's worse or better. It's just different. And the prevailing idea is that, you know, it needs to be high energy, fast, 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 fast. Um, I liked Flushed Away. I didn't, I never seen it before. It was cute. (laughs) Nitrogen help will freeze us instantly. There's a paperclip in my back pocket. See if you can get it. (gasps) In the pocket, in the pocket. They also get El Dorado out that same yes. year. Yeah. And and that Which is, is like, I don't know, Elton John trying to do Lion King too. Yeah, and it's weird that Elton John effectively is the narrator of that movie. And I, I did not like the and they the decision was, as I remember 
reading something the decision was they're like well we want to move away from the musical thing and it's like what all you did was create a disembodied musical voice. it's tarzan yeah it's yeah. tarzan i mean it's tar- it's the tarzan thing of like the guy singing the thing about el dorado which i think is a very funny movie yes um it's uh any of those songs i can't they are all interchangeable oh, they yeah, all yeah. sound the same um they're lightly latin so, yeah speaking of funny but and also by the way two white guys as the lead and who are both supposed to be i can't talk about yeah. like how in, this, in pocahontas at least they like give you a magical reason why she can speak english yeah yeah in this one nope those incan aztec whoever yeah they just know english Thumb, thumbs up for rosie perez though thumbs up for rosie for, perez also thumbs up for like this movie is the gift maker that will not end yeah, like 100 i felt the same way about chicken run i was like if chicken run had come out 10 years later gifts, there were gifts, so many gifts, gifts. yeah um the uh, yeah the the reason it is so funny too by the way is uh rarely do animator uh, do actors providing a, a voice performance for a film get to work with other and they put Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh in the same recording oh, booth so together good. and you can tell yeah. they just plays off each other so well maybe the highlight of the film is yeah. is just them bickering yeah totally they're really funny you know that little voice that people have that tells them to quit when they're ahead? You don't have one. But I'm sorry, I just got carried away. Way away. Maybe we should tell the truth and then beg for mercy. They might. Are you nuts? We'd be butchered We're alive. Yes. So three years later, DreamWorks SKG creates DreamWorks Animation. And so, like, all of this stuff is just DreamWorks proper up until this point, which is weird to think about, but... You know, th- this will specifically be a new business division that would regularly produce both types of animated features, both hand-drawn and uh, and CG. No longer stop motion. Sorry. Bye. Um, 2001 happens. That's a big year. It's a big year. Shrek mm-hmm. is released. And this is when they first become, like, the real threat to Disney. Yeah. This is the first year that they uh, that the Oscars had the Best Animated yeah. Feature award so in previous years you know uh, beauty and the beast had been nominated for best picture but there was no animated specific film and the thing is because more and more companies were releasing animated movies there's actually competition um and and so that was the first year there was a field to actually have and i I can't remember like who the other people were nominated for but like shrek was if you when you think about that that's fucking wild yeah the first winner of the best animated feature was well, not a Disney movie. No. It was Shrek. It was Shrek. Thank you, members of the Academy, for inviting us to the party by creating this uh, category to begin with. Finally, I want to thank my fellow producer, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who has a love for animation that borders on obsession and who is the real reason we're here tonight. Thank you. And we talked about the Beauty and the Beast being nominated for Best, anima- Best Picture yep. in the Renaissance episode. So you can hear the controversy about that there. But what's interesting about the effect that this has on DreamWorks animation itself is that Katzenberg is like, cool, CG is the way of the future. Oh, yeah. All of the hand-drawn animation gets laid off. Womp. Now, this is his thing. (laughs) He loves to lay off the hand-drawn animation. In 2004, Shrek 2 is released. Um, Everything is produced CGI. Yeah, they had two other movies that were like in the can, essentially. Yeah. And so you get your um, spirit. Yes. Um, which also was nominated for Best Animated, Lost to Spirited Away, um, and Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. Yeah, which is has maybe Mix. yeah maybe more CG in it than either of their other hand-drawn animated films, but I think much to its detriment. Like, I really don't like the look of Sinbad. Well, yeah, I think Sinbad actually looks very interesting and beautiful, but it's just clearly, like, the technology was not 
yeah. be yet there. So it suffers because of its time. And but, they went through many different variations on that film. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, in fact, ended up having to record her dialogue three different times. Um, she did one that they deemed too sexy and then one that they deemed too flat. And before she went in to record it for the third time, she told Katzenberg, you can fire me. Yeah. She's like, if I'm not giving you what you want. And he was like, no, well, you know. That's and, what happens to me when we record here. I have to yeah. record all over and over. It's too yeah, sexy. It's too sexy. Too sexy. Whoops. Where's my pants? <laughs> um, and, uh, so after Shrek 2, no more hand-drawn. Absolutely not. Um, you know, Not on my watch. Um, so Shark Tale also comes out in 2004, making DreamWorks Animation the first animation studio to produce two CGI animated features in a single year unheard of to this point um i think it shows in shark tale they were stretched yeah um they eventually become a publicly traded corporation in 2004 i don't want to get too much into the business side of things because i don't understand it but uh (laughs) but that essentially means you know people can buy stocks in them you know and and eventually like maybe controlling interest but uh DreamWorks also in, uh, inherited interest in PDI DreamWorks that made an agreement that their former parent would distribute all their films until they delivered 12 new films in December uh, or December 12th, 2010, whichever came last. So in other words, DreamWorks now has to, their parent company DreamWorks now has to um, put out all of their films either until they make 12 of them or until 2010 rolls around. But the funny thing is, is DreamWorks doesn't last long enough to do that. It gets bought by Paramount Pictures. Uh So that deal ends up rolling into Paramount Pictures. But part of it is, is they now have to deliver 13 animated films or December 31st, 2012 comes around. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily like too difficult for them to achieve, especially if they're trying to plan on two films a year. year, But like, I do think that is a slightly intimidating number. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is just like the beginning of them changing hands. And we had mentioned, you know, I think there is an interview with the, the the guy in charge now. I can't remember his name. But like he said, like, there is no DreamWorks brand. Right. There is no uh, look. You know, when you go see a Pixar movie, you know what it's going to look like. When you go see a Disney movie, you know what it's going to look like. For uh, DreamWorks, it's just, you know, you could maybe go see something that is going to be looking like Shrek. It's not really like realistic if you will and then you know who knows maybe you're gonna go see uh like uh what's some like megamind or you know captain underpants how to train your dragon where it's like actual humans um you just don't know exactly what it's gonna be right the brand is everything absolutely and it is a little shocking that dreamworks over the years has not found a way to really capitalize on its own brand but i think part of it is is because they keep changing hands yeah oh absolutely there's no like there is no Disney to right. guide the way. Um, in 2007, they announced that all of their films will be released in stereoscopic 3D. Um, it's a process developed by in- Intel. They have a partnership with Intel. And essentially, all of their films come out in 3D. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, because we're a little past the early 2000s. But 3D was like a huge yeah. thing in the early 2000s in the aughts. Yeah. And I don't feel like it is now. In fact, the other no. day I was like looking at uh, movies to see what I could go see. And I saw one film was being presented in 3D. And I was like, oh, how novel. I oh, know. Quaint. There was a time. I mean, 2005 in that area. Literally every fucking movie was in 3D. I mean, it's, it was mostly just, you know, studios trying to make an extra buck by charging you more. For, yeah. 
3D, you know, whatever. I'm glad I'm glad that that era is over. <laughs> Since 2009, DreamWorks Animation has been listed on Fortune Magazine's 100 Best Companies to Work For. And what's interesting is it seems to only, like, it basically floats around the top 10. It was, in 2009, it was the 47th. But in 2010, it was the 6th, the 10th in 2011, the 14th in 2012, the 12th in 2013. So it's interesting to see that, like, clearly, if you can get into this uh animation studio i almost said racket <laughs> like they're running some yeah. sort of crime ring. yeah um, the underground mafia yeah the it's clearly like a, a very good company to work for they have their own campus which i believe has actually been sold and kind of lessened mm. but like it does feel very much like the renaissance heyday era i was watching like a behind the scenes video where like anytime they have a new movie come out they they do like a party that's themed based cool. on yeah it's a blast to come to work every day it's every day is new there's always something exciting happening uh the campus is awesome especially when we have a movie release we have these special days on chain your dragons we got the fire dancers it is really a family environment uh they not only consider uh, you part of their family they consider your family part of their family it feels a little more like free than the pixar like yeah. you know if it doesn't fall into like what we're doing it's out yeah and so there is something freeing about like you know what i saw what was it, monsters versus aliens i was like this is a fucking weird movie yeah it looks weird the style is weird and like but it you know i imagine uh artists and uh you know animators being like we get the freedom to stretch a little more working right. at DreamWorks. Uh, so in 2010, studio announces, we're going to do five films over the next two years. Um, Which then, is bonkers. And then in 2012, Katzenberg said the studio will play it by ear. <laughs> we'll just see what happens. Um, and so, like, no longer three pictures a year. Which I get. Once again, these films take up to four years to make. Yeah. So, that, and I think that's one thing that people forget, you know, wh when something hits, like say you have a Shrek or like How to Train Your Dragon and people are clamoring for a sequel. Mm -hmm. The problem is it, like, it's not like a film that can go out and be shot in three months and maybe spend like a year in post-production, wow. you know, so you have like a, a, a year and a half and then you can release a new film. Yeah. These films, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of artistry. We sort of talked about this in our other animated episodes. But the only limitation animations really have are animators' imaginations and budgets. Yeah. And and that's those two things often. And maybe often like what clash. time? Time. And that's I mean, that's they clash and because they feed into that time yeah. element. Um and I think that's a really interesting thing to think about because literally it's it's it seems infinite and endless, but there are I mean the business of it all. Yeah. You know, but within those five years from 05 to twenty ten, you get these big, um, uh, I don't want to say IPs, but big, like, um, I guess intellectual properties. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get Madagascar in their whole series. You get the How to Train Your Dragons. You get um, Kung Fu Panda. The first one of those that becomes one of its biggest, you know, uh, franchises is what I was, what yeah. I was looking for. They, they, they have a couple, like, you know, I don't want to say misses, but not non-franchise starters. Right. You know, you get your over the hedge. Um, but these are, like... When you think of DreamWorks, like the heavy hitters are what Shrek, How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, oh, and Madagascar. I Madagascar, guess. Yeah. yeah, which has has led to three films as well as a spinoff. Yeah. Oh, in 2010, the other thing that they buy that's a big buy for them is the Trolls franchise. Uh, they buy from a Norwegian company, uh, which uh, they now maintain the worldwide rights for creative um, ventures in terms of film and whatnot. 
Except for in Norway. Norway. Yeah. Where they maintain. They also, they buy essentially these classic characters that think, not Betty Boop, but essentially like that realm. And that is what becomes the, like their first try at making these like old um, comic strip characters. Yeah. Is Mr. Peabody and And Sherman. Sherman. Um, And that was... I mean, the movie's fine. I ended up really liking it. It's, um, it's cute and it's, 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 like it's very for, it's yeah. very for kids. Um, but I'm such a sucker for stupid dad, dad song. Don't stuff. you dare. Don't like, you dare. Yeah. Yeah. I when was like that montage of when the song comes on and yeah. like, uh, it, the, the dog is his dad. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And not just because the courts say so. But I'm the one who made all the mistakes. I'm the one who used the way back without permission. The only mistake Mr. Peabody ever made was me. Sherman. You're absolutely right, Sherman. What kind of a father could this dog ever be to a boy? Maybe you're right, Miss Grenion, but there's one thing you haven't considered. What's that? I'm a dog, too. If being a dog means you're like Mr. Peabody, who never turns his back on you, and who's always there to pick you up when you fall, and loves you no matter how many times you mess up, if that's what it means to be a dog, then yeah, I'm a dog too! They also buy a a, a trove of... uh properties it was a 155 million bid uh, to require to acquire classic media which is the name of the company there it is Thank um you. and it's now since been renamed dreamworks classics yes in 2012 they formed a joint venture with chinese investment companies to establish the shanghai-based entertainment company known as oriental dreamworks yikes there are no other Tw- words 2012 there are no, guys no, no. Wor- there is no other name for that yeah <laughs> couldn't figure it out Stuff starts to happen business side. Essentially, their deal with Paramount is coming to an end. Um, Sony Pictures is interested in distributing them. And um, Warner Brothers is a little hesitant. You know, they have their own division. But they they want it. But in in August of 2012, they eventually sign a five-year distribution deal with Fox. Yep. Um, But it's weird because they don't have the distribution rights to their previously distributed films from Paramount. And this is the other thing that sets them apart for Disney. Now, suddenly DreamWorks doesn't own their own library. Yeah. Which is a weird position for them to be in Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of characters, a lot of, you know, there's the How to Train Your Dragon stuff, the Madagascar stuff that they can make sequels to, but they don't necessarily own the rights to the originals. Mm -hmm. Two years later, they eventually acquire those um from paramount and now they have them but there was this two-year limbo gap where i don't know could paramount have released much like we talked about disney before they bought pixar deciding to move ahead with a toy story 3 that was not pixar related yeah would we have seen like a new shrek film that was not dreamworks animation and it's, it's weird because a lot of these movies and it, it, like there's we know that there's a bunch of sequels to a lot of these movies but there's also a bunch of like Direct to video, holiday special, yeah, little bibs and bobs here and yeah. there. Uh, Something I feel like they entered in the realm of before Disney did a lot of like you know 
because Disney has like their Toy Store Halloween special yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. But it, like, I feel like DreamWorks is like, and this is the other part of the business, and we may not necessarily touch on this too much, but they're very good at like selling out their TV rights. Like they they have TV specials, they have a deal with Netflix, which is actually coming to an end. Really, but to, but to produce, yeah, because who they've now signed a deal with Hulu to oh. to release a lot of their shows. Yeah, because like but, there's loads. Well, like there's like a Turbo TV show on Netflix. Yeah, there's a Penguins of Madagascar, which was the first Nicktoons collaboration. Mm. Um, there was um, a home mm-hmm. that was more traditional hand-drawn animation. Yep. And this is weird. I mean, it's almost like this uh, omnipresence in a different way. They didn't do the Disney route. No. They instead were like, we want our characters everywhere you can see them yeah. on, on and whatever platforms. I was thinking about this. Is Shrek their Mickey Mouse then? He kind of is. I know that's like I a guess. gross comparison, but like... I mean, I guess, except like Shrek is purposely like disgusting right. loud like the but, anti But I mean is that not It's Dreamworks. Dreamworks. It's Dreamworks. <laughs> um it's Dreamworks in in the sense that they're trying to like punk everything Disney. They yeah. they want to be the anti Disney. Rise of the Guardians which came out in 2012 is the last Paramount picture. Yep. The Crudes was the first one distributed by Fox. Um in 2012 is when or 2013 is when they signed their multi-year deal with Netflix. And, you know, it's essentially uh, an agreement that lets them produce all their TV entertainment stuff through Netflix, except for what they previously have deals with. And like I mentioned, Penguins of Madagascar was a Nicktoons thing. In February of 2014, they created DreamWorks Press to publish books. They acquired Felix the Cat, which they've still not done anything with. (laughs) Um, And they launched their DreamWorks TV YouTube channel, which they like took over a YouTube channel called Awesomeness TV. Oh, right. They yeah. got that. Eventually, they ended up, within the last couple of years, selling Awesomeness, T- Awesomeness TV to another company, but they maintained the DreamWorks portion of it, so there's still DreamWorks TV on YouTube. Eh. Yeah. Uh, they've gotten smarter about keeping their IPs in-house. Right, good. Then things start to turn. And like I said, this is a lot of business, and I'm not trying to keep this completely at business, but like things start to turn, and Hasbro decides yes, that oh it wants to buy DreamWorks Animation. Can you imagine? I know. And it would have been called DreamWorks Hasbro. Um, and then two days later, talks break down and nothing's to be heard of ever again. Katzenberg's like, no, my dick is bigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In 2015, DreamWorks Animation announced that Bonnie Arnold, producer of How to Drain Your Dragon series, <laughs> and Mariel Soria, who produced the Madagascar films, they ended up being named co-presidents of the studio's animation division and essentially replaced or... It was announced at the same time that Bill Damaske, I hope I'm saying that right, was to step down as chief creative officer. So they sort of came in, even though they have different titles, and took over that role. And they signed Jason Reitman and Edgar Wright to these production deals, of which nothing has come of in the last five years. Once again, it takes four years to make these movies. Maybe we will be getting our introspective Jason Reitman, yeah. our bombastic oh, oh Edgar goodness. Wright film, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? But this is all part of a restructuring effort. Um, so on April 28th of 2016, Comcast officially announced that NBC Universal intended to acquire DreamWorks Animation for $3.8 billion. Hello? Yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg was supposed to remain involved in the company as head of DreamWorks New Media. Um, but he would cede the control of the studio to Illumination CEO yeah. to Chris Melodendry. Um, what's interesting about 
Illumination. I don't. I'm sure some of you've heard those that name before. But these are the people that did Despicable like, Me, Despicable Me, and Secret Life of Pets, Secret Life of Pets, and also uh, the Spies in Disguise. I believe that sounds right. Yeah. So they have their own like budding thing, and even though they've been around for quite a long time, I feel like they've still never. I mean, obviously, Despicable Me is a huge money maker. Yeah. When you go to Minions, like, like yeah, yeah, when you go to Universal Studios, it's Minions everywhere. Right. So, but it's still. I still feel like they've been attempting to to like find the right IP that would um though there's a billion despicable me so who knows Melon Dondry planned to take the existing Dreamworks franchise and add value and create new franchises however uh I believe it was decided that he would essentially that the two companies would remain separate, separate. yeah um and so this is no longer, you know, the case of them. They're both owned by Universal, right. essentially. But instead of one creative person overseeing everything, kind of like how um happened at Disney, where there's one person overseeing Disney Animation and Pixar, over here, we've got Illumination in one corner, and we've got DreamWorks in the other corner. But Daddy Comcast is paying for all of it. <laughs> um, So, Captain Underpants, the first epic movie, 2017, ends up being... 20th Century Fox's last production and everything else after that, starting with How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which came out last year, and Abominable, which came out last year, would fall under the Universal Pictures banner. Um, the United States Department of Justice approves this acquisition um, in 2016, and essentially they now operate under Universal's film distribution. What's interesting is DreamWorks itself ends up under the Universal banner, yep. too. Yep. So now, universe, yeah, DreamWorks Company is now back with its mm-hmm. spinoff company, DreamWorks Animation. So essentially, DreamWorks now, like, you know, 40% of their revenue comes from TV. Uh, they, wow, that's they, a lot. Yeah, they have, like, kind of a str- stranglehold in that area in terms of, I, I feel like there's a lot of things you don't realize DreamWorks has their hand in in terms of television. Um Katzenberg ends up leaving the company or right. Oh my God. I forgot. Right. Yeah. Stepping down. When Comcast showed up a year and a half ago, I thought I would, my third act was going to be doing, you know, another 10 years of DreamWorks and making number 407 and 42. Um, And, and at first it was like, well, what do you mean you want my company? You don't want me. (laughs) It's like, well, I'm kind of hurt by that for a moment. And then I thought about it, and honestly, one day, I woke up the next morning and I went, no, 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 wait a minute. This is a chance to be 25 years old again with extraordinary, extraordinary resources and contacts and all of these things. And like, I just, I, honestly, I never, I never imagined there would be another get to start all over again. And the moment that that idea uh, just came into my, my head, I couldn't get out, I couldn't get it away. Margie Cohn steps up and it now becomes the president of DreamWorks. She started off as the, you know, trying to build their TV business in 2013. Um, she said the people at the fountain actually didn't have a place to sit yet, just some bullpen where they couldn't really work. And they were working for me. And I just, I didn't know. Um, as I mentioned, 40% of their studio is in TV. That's 2000 employees. Um, <laughs> so they have a place in the building. They're now. fine now. Yeah. Uh, and she's the president of all DreamWorks Animation. That pace of change that we've been talking about, like, I think Katzenberg has a really big set of ideas. You know, he likes his characters to be 
relatable and flawed. You know, he famously tried to cut out part of your world mm-hmm. from um, right. Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid because he found it too boring for the audience. Apparently, that is something he really implemented in DreamWorks. And there there can't be those boring moments. Guillermo del Toro, who was brought on board um, DreamWorks Animation to basically do their TV portion of their Troll Hunters thing, which has since become a huge franchise for them in the TV realm, has also been given sort of carte blanche. He worked on uh, Kung Fu Panda 3, and he said he really took that advice from Katzenberg to heart. You know, we would have previews of our movies. We we always found a great collaboration with our audience when we'd have a movie that was a work in progress. Um, uh, being Having that moment where a, a, a filmmaker, a storyteller could actually um, hear an audience in that sort of just natural, involuntary response to a film and to see, you know, was it going too fast? Was it going too slow? Was it confusing? It's just, you know, just sitting in the back of an audience. It's not about sort of testing. It's not about sort of filling out preview cards, which I'm sure everybody has done. That stuff's kind of nonsense. But just sitting in an audience, you can tell so much about things that are working and things that are not working. Two other interesting things, actually, that I think Katzenberg implemented that I think have definitely carried over past his his watch are pop music. Pop music yeah. is a huge portion of totally. And what do you think about that? Like do you I mean there was a time when pop music was very important to uh movies like right. I I think when you th- when you think of like the big songs that would like storm the Oscars, you know, like Titanic's My Heart Will Go On, um right out of the gate we get Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston right. in um Prince of Egypt. Right. And that's a great song. I think more than anything, that's a really important part to talk about. But they, but essentially after Sinbad, they stop doing original music at all. Yeah. And it, it becomes, you know, like Smash Mouth's All-Star ends up having this resurgence oh, of a right. hit yeah, because yeah. of Shrek. You know, the we mentioned At the Car Wash, the Christina Aguilera cover for yep. Shark's Tale. Yep, totally. And that's, and that's even to this day, you know... Uh, multiple times in the Kung Fu Panda films, even though they're not really films that need it, no. use everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Yeah. I mean, and, and that to me also, like when you, you won't find that when you see like a How to Tame a Dragon. Right. You know, but there are, when we talked about Mr. Peabody and Sherman, like there is that moment where it's like a uh, John Lennon song. Yeah. Like, really prominent in the movie. Um, and so I think it just kind of shows the like, 10,000 tentacles of DreamWorks yeah. and that they're able to get um, either the rights for a very famous song that like an audience can just like latch onto or be like, Hey, Justin Timberlake, want to come over here? <laughs> and like, can't stop the feeling was a huge fucking absolutely number. It played Eurovision that year, which it, yeah, it's like a huge thing for Europe. I know that sounds like a laugh line guys, but Eurovision is very big in this house. Very so. important to Gavin in this house. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It just feels like another revenue stream. The the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is definitely like a, a Katzenberg hallmark, and I feel like you can kind of see it a little bit in the Disney Renaissance movies, but he suggested at the end of Shrek, like Shrek was supposed to just end with like her turning into an ogre and them kissing, but he wanted a big musical number to show you all the characters that... Oh, have, yeah, yeah. And I feel like you see that in almost all of the DreamWorks. And, like, there is, like, some sort of gathering at the end of the film, and you see, revisit all the characters. Whether it be a How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, a Madagascar. Yeah. You get this big sort of, like, 
number, not not even necessarily a musical number, yeah. where everybody is gathered there. Sometimes even the villain, which is such a weird. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, it's like a play. It's, it's a play. Yeah, it's a play. It's like a curtain call, right? Yeah. And I think that's such an interesting concept. I don't hate it, well, but I think I think it's, it's such a like even Megamind at the end. Megamind, it was like here are all your players. You're yeah. seeing them one last time. Oh, it's almost like. Here are the people that you might be buying these toys of later. <laughs> Remember, we are we are just you know franchising, waiting to be used. Um, so I I don't know. I think I think those are definitely like it's interesting to see that he does have sort of a, a house style. So their features sort of endured these changes of leadership, um, and the the studio like in the process of this happens anytime that there's a major conglomerate buys something else major layoffs um and cone was trying to work behind the scenes to compete the, complete this deal that they'd signed with dreamworks in 2013 to provide more than 300 hours of programming for netflix mm. and that was all part of that netflix deal um and you know it works in the end they garner emmys for Guillermo del toro's troll hunters um and boss baby back in business ends up being a huge money earner for them um you know what i didn't hate boss baby i'll say it i will say this too um i love it i ended up really liking boss baby and i and i liked it because it was so fucking weird it's so weird it's so weird and that weirdness was very charming yeah yeah um she's still trying to keep to the two films a year range and you saw that this last year with how to train your dragon hidden world but also she's trying to capitalize on the fact that some of the tv shows on their own are becoming hits and one of the things is spirit riding free yeah which is a my god yeah is a weird spinoff of their animated is it out yet oh yeah Uh, and it's a cg animated tv show Mm -hmm. uh spinoff of stallion of the cimarron yep uh which was that hand-drawn animated film that like they, back in 98 or something yeah and she's now going it's going to be a movie what's weird about that movie is that it's like the horses don't talk like that right. was that was a gamble back then because they were like these are not going to be you know humanized horses it's basically matt damon talking to us like narrating you know, this horse and his journey. There was a movie called Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. And it's a, it was the last uh, hand-drawn animated movie that uh, I made as that sort of revolution of CG came along. Shrek was the next one after it. Um, and it was a very, very, it was my homage to one of the great things that I, I think Walt Disney uh, did, um, uh, which was, it's, it's to allow animation to, to, to be, uh, it's, it's, it's best and, and to, um, let the pictures do all the storytelling. So the lead character, which is this indomitable character spirit, um, he, he, he doesn't talk, right? So there's, it, it relies on animation to actually tell itself. And it's a musical, and it, nobody sings, other than Brian Adams, who sings this sort of, uh, you know, kind of soundtrack to it. So it was a really incredibly ambitious, very risky animated movie that failed. All I can think of was, like, I bet you Katzenberg thinks this is, like, such a great romance, the American West. Oh, absolutely. The, the Mustangs riding wild, and I was like, okay. 
Um, as we mentioned, b- besides uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3 that came out last year, Abominable is their last film that they've released, mm-hmm. or their latest film they've released. It was a co-production with Pearl Animation. Pearl Animation, you don't realize, you've heard of before, Pearl Animation is what Oriental DreamWorks became. Oh, yeah, they have, yeah. yeah, okay, they... So, Oriental DreamWorks yeah. is no longer. Goodbye. Thank you. Um, there are some green lights in the future. You know, the Cone's other big feature green light is The Bad Guys, which is an animated take on a heist film. And it's based off a Scholastic book series. I also think it's interesting that they, unlike Disney, draw their properties from modern, you know, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon. Di- uh, Shrek? Yeah, Shrek. Um, uh, Captain Underpants. Yes. These are pre-existing IPs. Even Over the Hedge was a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Pre-existing IPs that they've taken and sort of made their own. That's, um, that's a very good point. They do. They are not mining. I mean, right. Besides what uh, Prince of Egypt, which obviously is an old thing. Um, uh, I, I I don't think that they are really looking for like you know old fairy tales. They are literally sending up fairy tales in all the Shrek movies, um, and I think that's uh, the, in their effort to distinct um, themselves from Disney. I also think it's very important that we mention that. Uh, DreamWorks, you know, home centers on a young black girl. Abominable is on a Chinese family. An entire Chinese, yeah. uh, uh, like, cast of characters, nonetheless. Uh, and I'm not saying that they are perfect. Like, no. I think, uh, you know, the lead of Kung Fu Panda is Jack Black. Uh, you know, Lucy Liu is in the movie, but she is the snake. Yeah. Which is, like, I don't know, fifth bill. Yeah. Um, uh, but they did hire a Chinese woman, or not Chinese, but an Asian woman. Yeah, but they also did hire Jackie Chan. You know, he plays the monkey. Oh my god! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So like, they, like they do have their bits, you know. Right. It, it is nice that uh, up until the third one, all the villains are British as well. Yes, imperialists. Um, um, but I think like when Home came out, and not, I don't think Home's great, but you know, I think you've never seen a a small black girl right. uh, be the lead of one of these movies that cost a lot of money, make a lot of money, no matter what. Um, and I think that was important. And so they, unlike Disney. I think are more, because they have more freedom and, and room to stretch. And right. um, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's an important distinction. Um, and before we move out of our rewind, I just two more things. Um, the other thing that the interesting thing about the uh, acquiring by Universal is that they now have access to Universal's backlog mm. of IPs. And that has started to pop up on Netflix with the Fast and Furious Spy Racers and Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous. I believe Fast and Furious Spy Racers is already out. It's an animated, yeah, Fast and Furious. Is it about cars? Show. Yeah, for kids. It's about, like, car thieves. But for kids, like, they're spies. They're not thieves, but... Uh, <laughs> they're like, how can we make thieves look good for kids? Yeah, and, um... <laughs> And, you know, we we haven't talked necessarily about too many of the properties during this rewind, but there is a lot of them. You mentioned Turbo, Kung Fu Panda, yeah. Madagascar. Like, the, these are all things that, you know, under Katzenberg really, uh, really ingrained themselves into children's brains. And so I do want to say, you know, Katzenberg has stepped down uh, since 2016. Don't feel too bad for him. Uh, his stepping down netted him a reported $21 million in stock options. He's uh, making Quibi. Yeah, that's worth $408 million. He's now part of Quibi. Like, he is fine. Everything is fine. We're all fine. We're all fine. You can um, find all his movies everywhere. Absolutely. Um, what did you think about, you know, what was your impression? Because I, I, I remember Shrek coming out and being a huge deal. Because I think it came out yeah. around when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Um. But I will say, 
even though I've now seen all these films, uh, outside of a couple of them, not too many had made a huge impact on my life. Not in the way that I think Disney did, but also right. I wasn't raised on them. Right. I Yeah, that's a good point. I think when I was watching these, there is kind of like this Looney Tunes yeah. aesthetic of the jokes are a little like looser. They're, they're not as like family friendly. Like you mentioned, they're not hard G movies. Um, besides, uh, uh, not taking into, uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit is a hard G movie and it is delightful. I love Curse of the Were Rabbit. Yeah. Um, though they technically, once again, only distributed that because right, right, they were right. like poo poo Artman. Right. Um, and you can, you get that distinction, you yeah. know? Um, I think a lot of these movies have been derided as leaning too hard on potty humor. I don't think it's like necessarily a good or bad thing. Like it's just a thing. Uh, if you have, if the movie's called Boss Baby, yeah, we're gonna get some baby poop jokes. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, but also, I think they've been able to distinguish themselves. Like the How to Tame Your Dragon movies are beautiful. Yeah. Um, and the st- the style is just so different than, and and so it's it is impressive to see this big range of styles. I just saw uh, Kung Fu Panda two this morning. Yeah, and I was like, wow, they have. There's there's large moments of this movie that are hand drawn, um, or maybe not hand drawn, but like look um, flat. They are yeah. not CGI, um, and I think it's very. I mean, when I uh, even Boss Baby, I think they have a lot of you know. It turns into like this noir weird thing. It's, did Did you get a chance to watch Captain Underpants? I've seen it on a plane before, and so, it's so weird, so weird. And one of the things I loved about that was all of the different. Um, forays into different types of animation there is hand-drawn animation in captain underpants there's sock puppets in captain underpants and and i do like they definitely don't have the constraints that disney has with maintaining a house formula for good or for bad yep i was when i was doing the research people were saying you know their big failure is the fact that they don't have something like a disney world and they have tried over the years they had a cruise line deal they were going to open a dreamworks universal place and that has like been put on hold indefinitely so like they definitely you know they don't have the the selling ip but i i think the the fact that they they don't have that much constraint um is what works for them you mentioned how to train your dragons i don't think disney has ever gotten as mature as those films are yeah i think the closest you get is maybe the first frozen i've not seen the second frozen but i think that's in that wheelhouse but still not quite there and i think it also feels it feels a little bit more uh, grounded in reality. Yeah. Like, even Turbo, which yeah. is a silly movie about a snail that wants to be fast. Yeah. It feels so natural for them living in this Los Angeles, you know, a neighborhood. Yeah. And, again, meant, like, it feels very natural. They hired Latino actors. Yeah. And the story really revolves around, like, these two brothers who run a taco sh- shop. And you just wouldn't really see that thinking about... You know, because Disney, I think, is more interested in nostalgia. Right. And, um, and for a lot of, I think for a lot of, uh, nostalgia looking backwards is, you know, like white and beautiful. Right. And, 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 and that's not me shooting on Disney. Like, no, we no. Love them, but... and, and like, I think, I think there's prime examples of them trying and getting it right. I think Moana has a lot of, yes. you know, a lot of things that you can talk about in terms of uh, racial identity and being really specific. And I think Lilo and Stitch oh, yeah. gets a lot, especially being uh, like that movie is such an anomaly for Disney because it's a contemporary set film yeah. as well. Yeah. And presents. And it's beautiful. Yeah. So. I don't know. You like, don't see a lot of risks like Lilo and Stitch, though, in the Disney wheelhouse, um, because they probably did 
all their risk taking during their downtime and like so you get atlantis and all that stuff that yeah. they do like we can't make those movies they make no money whereas dreamworks i think there is a lot of formula stuff of like okay we have to have that one gross character who's making like poopy jokes yeah and then there's like the one straight person and and those are kind of like meh you know but when they're able to just be um free and specific to whatever they're doing i didn't really like monsters versus aliens but i thought it was really fucking weird and cool that they like yeah. chose to do this like weird 50s stylistic you know monster movie oh yeah I mean, I feel that I feel sort of the same way. Like I'm very middle of the road about Captain Underpants, and like that's not a movie I would normally enjoy. But I think the sheer insanity that went into the like trying things and making it interesting, and it was also done insanely cheap for what you consider yeah. animation. I think it was done for like eighty million or something, which is not you know thirty eight million dollars, thirty eight million dollars, which is not you know like yeah, not a lot of money for one of these for, movies. Yeah, exactly. And, and I I think they also succeed way because because shrek is what it is yeah they decided famous people come and yeah. let that drive the movie and so when you get like a madagascar it's like <sighs> yeah okay so here are these famous people like driving this movie as opposed to like a turbo which yeah that is right. ryan reynolds but the story is driving everything once again real quick and we will get to our picks in just a moment but like speaking of famous people like it's not it's not even just the smartness of hiring to for them to be quote unquote in front of the camera it's behind the camera too kung fu panda 2 was punched up by charlie fucking kaufman crazy eternal sunshine spotless mind like charlie kaufman what um uh, Madagascar 3 was co-written by Noah Baumbach. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, like the, the... He's never made more money. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. 100%. He's like, I got a kid, whatever, I'll okay. do this now. And <laughs> That's what paid for Marriage Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so it's interesting to see the, the chances they take, because I do think the chances are interesting. Once again, it does all come down to money. I mean, they are business. Yep. You know, but we're all, whenever we do these, these sort of business genre dissections, it's about money. Yep. But I, I would rather have somebody playing with their money and not necessarily being extra afraid of losing it the way that I think Disney is, you know, and, and like, I'm not forgiving DreamWorks. Obviously they know the, the more of these films, the more that they get them out there, you know, for every, for every Megamind, there's a Madagascar three, but none of it feels as much like a cash grab as something like Toy Story four to me. 10,000%. Like, you know, the crudes, which we haven't mentioned, yeah. you know, like a lot of famous people, but like it's interesting and different and uh, yeah, so, so different than I thought it would be. And that uh, I'll get into this in our one star reviews, but yeah, it's, it's just, they're able to like, yeah, you mentioned it right on the head. Like, you know, yes, we're going to get another, you know, Kung Fu Panda. We're going to get another Madagascar, um, another, sh- another Shrek. Yeah. Um, but they are at least willing to give us, a crudes, a turbo, right. um, a whatever to, you know, of course they don't have the library that Disney does, but they're taking chances in, in ways that are at least very refreshing. When, when that first Shrek came out, I remember being like, what is this? Yeah. A breath of fresh. And especially for all of its pot shots at Disney. I know. Oh, 10,000%. Yeah. No, no one can say Katzenberg has a thick skin. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, Katzenberg said, fuck Disney yeah. and won an Oscar for Shrek. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, I think it's time we moved out of our rewind. Hopefully that was comprehensive enough for everybody. Um, let's move into our one-star reviews. My one-star review is Shrek Forever After. Really? Yeah. Um, 
It's I'm, it's not my one star. I don't I mean, don't take that reaction as being my one star review. It's far from my one star review. But it's my five star. <laughs> but did you did you like Shrek the Third then? Because Shrek the Third is a real low point in the series for me. Um, I so I will say that I did not rewatch Shrek the Third. I okay. remember not liking it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Justin Timberlake is very dumb in it. Oh, he's awful in it. Um, and the, I, I can't believe they hired him again. Anyway, sorry. So no, what I will say about Shrek. Shrek when it came out was incredible i remember the french would say incroyable incroyable <laughs> i remember the gag of when they show up to duloc and shine your shoes wipe your face oh my god being a child a world. Yeah, and yeah. just being like, this is clever. Right. <laughs> what is being clever? <laughs> Shrek. Um, and Shrek 2, great. Sure, I, I would almost say Shrek 2 is maybe a better film than Shrek 1. Yeah, I have a, it's, it's the sort of, um, hot fuzz Shaun of the Dead situation mm-hmm. for me. I think Shrek 1 is maybe a funnier film, but Shrek 2 is a better movie, whereas Shaun of the Dead is like a funnier movie, but hot fuzz is a better film. Well, it's kind of like, you throw in the godmother. What are we supposed to do? Yeah. We have, we're, we're waiting for a hero. Yeah. Hold enough for a hero? Whatever. Hold enough for a hero, yeah. But then, like, immediately, the, the diminishing returns hits very strong on the third one. And the fourth one, uh, is my choice, though, because it does that thing where all of a sudden, I think this is, um, a good example of, like, when DreamWorks can go wrong. And it just feels like they're patting themselves on the back, um, too much when, it, and, it becomes, you know, like, look, all these famous people and, like, we're going to talk about... I mean, Shrek Forever After is essentially... It's a wonderful life. It's midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. It's like... I was a little shocked by how dark it got with the whole, like, life is... Every day is the same. Yeah. And, and what's wild, though, the beginning of the movie, they decide to show you how annoyed Shrek is. Mm-hmm. How he's like, oh, I have kids and a wife. And... Um, donkey and yeah. puss and everyone's it's so such a anno- weird decision for a kid's film and it, and but even like it feels so out of character like yeah. we've been with these characters for a long time now they've been like fighting for like these happy ending lives um and, and they go out of their way to be like but he hates it oh great so this is all my fault yes but you know what let's talk about this after the party at home you mean that roadside attraction we live in? Step right up! See the dancing ogre! Don't worry, he won't bite! I used to be an ogre. Now I'm just a jolly green joke. Okay, okay, maybe you're not the ogre you used to be, but maybe that's not such a bad thing. I wouldn't expect you to understand. It's not like you're a real ogre. You spent half your life in a palace. And the other half locked away in a tower. We know that uh, Donkey can be annoying, right. you know, but they go out of their way to make Fiona be like, uh, yeah. he, to show that like, oh yeah, his wife, he fucking hates her now. And the kids are awful. I'm like, they're one year old. Like, what right. the fuck? Um, they also introduced a very lame villain um, in yeah, Rumpelstiltskin, Rumpelstiltskin. Who's voiced by the animator, I believe. Uh, he's not a celebrity. He's not a celebrity yeah. at all. Um, 
And which is, I mean, not saying a negative thing. In fact, that's one of the few things that I like that they, that's sort of like the lead penguin is also voiced by an animator. I like right, the right. fact that DreamWorks does that. But like, it's it interesting because he is kind of a lame villain to be like, well, anybody can play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but also, this is, um, I think DreamWorks also does this thing. I think Shark Tale is a very good moment to talk about this, uh, that they are like, What's cool with the kids around yeah. these days? Ugh. Let's and so there's a scene for no reason of like the witches, which are Rumpelstiltskin's hench women. women, yeah, and the Pied Piper is like his assassin or something, yeah, and he plays his flute to control the witches, and they start break dancing. Uh oh, and I was like, yawn. It's it's this. I think that's what I mean when I think DreamWorks like pats themselves in the back. They're like, we're making jokes for like adults because. Oh, like right. being a dad sucks, and I wish I could just, you know, they're trying to. So the movie's about him trying to, like, I just want to be an ogre, a regular ogre again for a day. Yeah, and he gets his wish via Rumpelstiltskin, and they show like a montage of him like being awful again. Like he's like yelling at people and scaring people, and he's like, "Oh, I love," and I was like, "Really? Yeah, giving up your family to like be an asshole is the thing." And of course... But he's wrong in the end, Louis. Don't you understand? It's just such a fucking... I, I do want to touch on what you're talking about, though, because I think, uh, you know, a, a thing that... A weird thing that could be said is we're, we're two guys in our 30s. Uh-huh. Admittedly, queer guys, so we have a slightly different perspective than... And I'm I'm white, so I'm automatically out. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but the... Uh, I think, you know, if you come into this podcast and you're like, oh, these two older guys are going to talk about these kids' films, like, what right do they have to talk about? But you have to understand, all of these, across the board, are also made by adults. Yeah. They are adults deciding what your children should laugh at, what your children should find funny. And I think you're hitting on that exactly. It feels a lot like the, like, oh, what is funny right now? Like, what is hip? What is, oh, you know, and once again... Great that they cast Rihanna as a lead, but it's literally like Rihanna's hot right now. Yeah. We should get Rihanna in. It's here. like every time you see um a show or something where like all of a sudden they're dabbing or mm-hmm. flossing, I'm like, you okay. And there, and there is that in some of the films. Like yes. it's suddenly just like the characters are flossing and you're like, why? It's what is your thing? It, it's pandering yeah. at best. Yeah. And just like very sad, like yeah. and and lazy. And I think Shrek Forever After is just mostly very lazy. It doesn't feel fresh or original. It's like all those things you loved, let's wipe it away. And like all of a sudden you get to see Fiona, um, who doesn't remember or doesn't yeah. know Shrek, and and you know, sh- and Donkey and, and, and Puss, I think it also and a and, and a fat puss in boots. Yeah. What a funny, funny it's, idea. I agree. And I was I was hoping you would get to that. The Apparently they they were very concerned about the fat jokes at first, and they were like, "Well, it's too." And I will admit, "Fat Puss in Boots" is so cute. It's so cute. Yeah, and we've talked about the Puss in Boots movie before, which I think is exponentially a better film than mm-hmm. any of the Shrek the the later sequels. Puss in Boots is better than Cats. Yes, Puss in Boots is Cats. <laughs> well, which is Cats had? Yeah. Okay, like and, and Antonio Banderas's voice acting in, incredible. In, yeah, incredible. Wow, just the best. Hire him for everything. Seriously. All right, Pat, give me them beans. Is it true a cat always lands on its feet? No! That is just a rumor spread by dogs! Well, let's find out. It gets to be a bit much when the joke is constantly like, he's too fat to move. Yeah. Like, it's like, guys, come on. Like, literally, and I don't even know if they explain why he's fat in this alternate universe. He, he like, gave up. That's his, and like that's it like and that's even darker yeah. to be like Ch- children you get fat when you give up right like and that's that 
it's uh yeah i i i guess i'm mostly just disappointed in yeah. the movie there i'm not mad i'm disappointed I'm disappointed because <laughs> shrek one and two are such pinnacles yeah. um and uh, this just feel i mean if there was ever a cash grab this is the yeah. movie i think um that i would look to because i mean first of all you're moving beyond the trilogy yeah. i think uh you know there are three how to tame a dragon movies there are three kung fu panda movies there are i think three madagascars there's three madagascars and one spinoff so yeah right um and shrek they they did their three they did their Everyone's one spinoff spin-off. yeah and then they're like true well, what if we do a fucking fourth one and it's like no one needed this yeah the storytelling and of shrek is done yeah. let, let it go elsa oh that's a really interesting comparison too because i ended up liking penguins of madagascar and i was just like i was like oh the spinoffs are usually pretty good um i i will say you know building off your idea of a cash grab uh, real quick i will also say that like the only reason i think i like shrek 3 shrek the third less than shrek 4 is it also commits the sin of being boring yeah and i'll give shrek uh, shrek forever after this i wasn't bored i may have been annoyed but i wasn't bored but building off your idea of a cash grab my one star review is and genuinely i would have thought it was shark tale because i couldn't get through it but i rewatched this film just to make sure it was and it's 2016's trolls okay wow i hate trolls with the all the fire of my being i'm so sad i didn't watch it it's so bad and uh and i basically watched it to confirm the thing that made me hate it so much the first time but everything that you're saying about the idea of like adults deciding what kids should like you know like being like what's hot right now like oh auto-tune's hot right now well there'll, there'll be a character that speaks only in auto-tune Ooh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's like this weird possibly perverted cloud in the film it's a cloud yeah it's a cloud who like shows up only wants to hug people and like i was i was like this is a little weinstein like yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's not talk about this character anymore essentially the plot of trolls is is there are a bunch of trolls and there's these uh villains in the film bergens bergens which are essentially larger non-colorful trolls um, who eat these trolls to get high. Oh. Yeah, and it makes them happy. Um, and... The trolls are shrooms. Yes, essentially. I mean, genuinely. Um, so they, the, these trolls, there's some backstory, but eventually the Bergens decide to start hunting the trolls again. They find where they're hiding. And Anna Kendrick, who's the daughter of the king, sort of has to, like, lead the trolls to safety. And she has to work with this mismatched character... Um, played by Justin Timberlake as a, a troll named Branch, who's like very cautious and pessimist. And because he was singing one day as a child and his mother was eaten by a Bergen when he wasn't paying attention. Um, and Anna Kendrick's Poppy and him, like there's like a slight romance between them. And her you know, name is Poppy? Yeah. Come on! We haven't seen a Bergen in 20 years. They're not going to find us. No, they're not going to find me because I'll be in my highly camouflaged, heavily fortified, Bergen-proof survival bunker. You mean you're not coming to the party tonight? What? But it's, it's going to be, be the, the biggest, biggest, the loudest. The craziest party ever. Yes. <laughs> Big, loud, crazy. You're just going to lead the Bergens right to us. Are you sure you want to invite this party pooper to poop on your party? Yes, I think everyone deserves to be happy. I don't do happy. And they they like go to the to the Bergen Kingdom, and they're they're trying to make King Gristle Jr. played by Christopher Mintz Plaze um, fall in love with Bridget, who's Zoe Deschanel, um, who's another like another Bergen. And Zoe Deschanel's a Bergen. Yeah. 
and the one compliment I'll give the film is actually um, Zoe Deschanel and Anna Kendrick are very good and are great voice actors. And actually, like, to, to I knew um, Anna Kendrick would be a great voice actor. I had no idea how good Zoe Deschanel. And I'm I'm not always in love with her as an actor, but like she provides so much life to this lifeless character <laughs> that it, that it is. I was impressed. Shocking. Yeah. Um, but essentially they, they like break everybody out and they teach these Bergens that they can main, they can get happiness on their own. And that's why they're trying to get the two together. Cause they're like, Oh, if you love each other, you're happy. And literally the, the end of the movie, the climax of the film where they oust the villain. Cause the real villain is this cook who's been like whispering in the King, King Gristle Jr.'s ear to like eat these trolls. Um, they oust her during the musical number for can't stop the feeling can't stop the feeling so the movie plays like an hour and a half commercial for can't stop the feeling (laughs) like the climax of the film is just the song and to me that is the most cynical the most cash grabby thing and it once again that song is a banger maybe some of jt's best work in years which admittedly he didn't write the sweets did because they write everything (laughs) um but but it's made me so mad i watched it with my now nine-year-old nephew who was probably six when this came out six and eight-year-old nephew and niece and i was so mad at the end of the movie i was like this is not how a movie ends and, this and is your, not and your niece and nephew were like they, yeah oh they loved it it's funny too because there's a netflix christmas special and um they made me watch it even after i told them i hated this movie and it's insanely hilarious so i don't know what happened because it's not trying so hard right. to be like a commercial for this song right it's trying its own thing i wonder if like they recorded this song they were like wait Let's just make everything about the song. Um, and it made me so mad. On top of that, I think Justin Timberlake is a bad voice actor. Yeah. He's funny when he's on SNL. I've seen him be okay in movies, you know. Okay everybody, is very generous. Everybody loves About Time. Oh, <laughs> God. But, like... But, yeah, he, he's not a, 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 like, a vocally emotive... Yeah. Especially for character. He's not Espe- a character person. Especially like, when the character is, like, grumpy and, like, standoffish. Yeah, no, no. And, like, yeah. Um, what can you tell me about the way it looks, though? Because it lo- it looks very different than... Yes. Because it's, like, felty. Yeah. Well, that's only part of it. So the felty Ooh. portion of it is um, is her scrapbooks. And it's a major point of contention in the film that she scrapbooks everything, including stuff that's happening in the moment. Huh. Um, but the rest of it is just their normal CG, CG claptrap, you know. And, and it's an interesting thing because th- when they hide at the beginning from the Bergens... Uh, they have like a tree full of actual troll dolls, what looks like actual troll dolls. And it's never explained why they don't look like those troll dolls. And I think it's such a weird thing to be like, we bought this property. They are not going to look like the thing that we said. Yeah, they don't look like yeah. trolls of yore. Yeah, with the and those were very popular when we were kids. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. I yeah. remember in fifth grade, everybody had Absolutely. A troll. I remember I had a, a little um, pencil topper. Oh, nice. That's cute. I had one that was like a doctor that my mom gave me. She's a nurse. <laughs> she was like <laughs> a, an aspirational troll, if you yeah. will. In 11th grade, when I was starting to look at colleges, I was like, and I think I want to be a filmmaker. And my mom was like, you mean a doctor? And I was like, no, a filmmaker. And she goes, oh, honey, doctors don't starve. <laughs> um, She's like, there are no filmmaker trolls. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? So, yes. like that's... You get to pick one of the troll professions. <laughs> And, a, and here you are, full circle. You have met Kathy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know. um, the, yeah, so I just, I hate, 
And I feel bad because I normally try and say something positive. And, and I did. I did. I complimented Anna, Anna, Anna Kendrick, Kendrick, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. I, but, like, there is nothing likable about this movie for, for me. It must Fair. connect with kids. There's a sequel coming out. Yep. Trolls World, World Tour. There's a, a live experience that in New York City. I looked up the prices of that, by the way, for my niece what and nephew ever visited. And it's like 30 bucks per person. Absolutely horrendous. Awful. Awful. Um, what were the other low points? Because there are... Shark, Shark Tale. Shark Tale. Without a doubt. Shark Tale. And it makes me so sad because Martin Scorsese is a voice in it. And I thought... I like, forgot about the pufferfish Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I thought it was like a cameo. No, no. No. Literally a main character. Oscar. Oh, oh, hey, don't sweat it, Sykes. A lot of white fish can't do it, man. Oscar, would you just sit down, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Look, I've been going over my markers. You're into me for five grand. Five G's, okay? Five G's? Man, you're tripping five oh, yeah? G's. See if this refreshes your memory. <gasps> did you watch Joseph and King of Dreams? I did. So Joseph King of Dreams is a weird outlier for them. It, it is, is their only yep. direct video. Yep. But the voice of Joseph is Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben Hoofleck? Right. Yeah. That movie is psycho. Yeah. I am I I uh I'm not going to pretend that I know the story of... I do, actually. I've uh, read the Bible a couple times. I so. would not, could not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm you like, know, ah! <laughs> but, but I will say this. It's such a weird thing, by the way, to uh, for DreamWorks to decide that they're big... Um, animated i guess you would say franchise because they did make two of them yeah would be bible stories that not only exist in the christian bible but are also in the torah and also in the quran yes like i it's what <laughs> like, and, but that movie specifically like hans zimmer did the music yeah for uh prince of egypt and it's amazing mm-hmm. incredible delicious mm-hmm. wonderful and it's by like, the way, what blackmail do they have on Hans Zimmer? Because he does music for he did the music for Shark Tale. Yeah, like what they have something on him. Yeah, um, but he did not bring his best for Joseph. The music in Joseph is so bad, I could not believe. I was yeah. like, what lyricist? What monster? The opening song of Joseph is "I am the best, I am number one," and yeah. I'm like, you want to know why your brothers fucking hate you? You exactly. pompous piece of shit. Exactly. Things you told me all my life I am special, I am smart I am somehow set apart Petty rules and limitations don't apply And, and I was like, this cannot be the, the, the true true tale of Joseph, is it? It actually is. I, I cannot stress enough. I mean, they were still clearly trying to go after the, the musical format. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, it's really bad. It makes no sense. I will say, more so than any other series of films I've ever seen, uh, the Madagascar films get better as they go along. Oh, okay. I hate the first Madagascar movie. I actually don't even really understand the tension in the first Madagascar movie because, like, the, the like, quote-unquote... Vi- like, the villains are themselves, really. Right. The, but the, the, like, quote-unquote villains are, like, these these creatures that eat. And literally, they just go in and, like, bump them on the heads, and that's it. That's the well, tension. Well, isn't the tension, like, oh, no, we're city animals, and right. we got lost in nature. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think, that, I think that's a good place to leave our one-star reviews. Yep. Let's move into our five-star reviews. I had to go back to the OG, 1998's The Prince of Egypt. Really? Um, I just think it is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Um, Genuinely. I did rewatch it for this, and I was impressed. Uh, you know, even for the time period. Like, it is it is Disney at their height. Yeah. It, and, you know, and I know they're not Disney, but, I mean, that's what they're going for. Yep. Achieved. Achieved. And I think it, not only is it gorgeous, um, the ambition to yeah. do this story, um, 
the way that they were able to tell uh, and and visually communicate, uh, you know, the uh, like the locusts, the the killing of these children. Oh my god! Uh, the, yeah, the 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 deaths of the firstborn with you know, Passover. Yeah, the story of Passover, like. Is really cool and really interesting looking. I also thought it was really smart, not to like steal your things, but I think it's a really smart idea that um, Val Kilmer provides both yes. the voice of Moses yep. and, God. and God. Yeah. Because, you know, they mentioned that like they were trying to figure out how to voice God. And, and I was going to say that even attempting to how to do the story of when he, when Moses, right. the burning bush, and God speaks to him and tells him, you are the one to free the children of Israel. Like, I can't imagine how many times they must have gone back to be like, really work on that. And it works. And yeah. they said, you know, we decided that the voice of God would be the voice of yourself in your head. And so unto Pharaoh, I shall send you. Me? Who am I to lead these people? They'll never believe me. They won't even listen. I shall teach you what to say. And so... Val Kilmer's voice is God, and he's also Moses. Um, I think this the music is also so good. We mentioned, yeah. Um, not only is Hans Zimmer at the top of his game, but Stephen Schwartz's the songs are beautiful. They tell the story very well. Um, I think they also blend a lot of different animation styles really well. Yeah. This horrible, frightening, arresting scene of when he sees all the hieroglyphics of what um, his uh, he which what he thinks is his dad, um, the king has killed all these children. Yeah. And it's it's enormous. And he's this little man. It's it's uh startling. And I, I will say, and this is this was maybe something for the one star reviews, but I do think Prince of Egypt is one of the few DreamWorks movies that handles death with weight. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's a huge problem with a lot of the DreamWorks films is yeah. death is very we talked about this in the Miyazaki episode where like, you know, the, the Eastern concept of, of death, like you, your villains don't have to be punished in the same ways that they do in Western audiences. And, and I do feel like in a lot of the DreamWorks films, death is handled in a very blah, unless it's important to the character's arc. Right. Like you look at something like abominable, which just came out and the main character's father has died. And it's a huge portion of what drives her as a, but then, like, you look at, like, the villains in the How to Train Your Dragons, and yeah. they get killed. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yay, good. The good guys yeah. are, yeah. Even, I mean, in Kung Fu Panda, you yeah. know, they're... I, I do think Kung Fu Panda is maybe an exception because it handles it in sort of an Eastern philosophy sort of way where it's like, there is an afterlife. Right. And there's, there's existence beyond. But even, like, in the whole idea of, like, when they're fighting, you yeah. know, and, like, winning the battles and all that stuff. Like, this, I mean, obviously the story is rooted in... Uh, you know, such ancient texts right. that are so important to people. I mean, I, even though, like, I, I, I think religion is fascinating. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, I, it has hurt me in, in various ways. I didn't, it has hurt many people in various ways, but I would never, like, deign to be like, this is stupid. Um, uh, even though I think <laughs> what I just said about fucking Joseph and the King of Dreams is stupid. Um, th- I think it, I, I accept that these stories are important to people yeah. and they are meaningful and I am very impressed at how they were able to handle these and things. And it's a minefield. It yeah, is a minefield. Yeah, and I think they were very nervous about releasing it. There are countries when this movie is banned yeah. um, because of the depiction of God. Um, but the, I think the music, uh, the tone of the movie is very um, 
uh, handled very well, very consistent. I think uh, Jeffrey Kanzenberg essentially wanted to make uh, an animated version of the Ten Commandments. Um, he had been wanting to make this for years, and since Disney, um, and Disney was like, "That ain't it, honey." Yeah, well, uh, Michael Eisner. Yeah, he was like, "Nope." And then <laughs> Kanzenberg was like, "Fuck hey, you so much." Yeah, he was like, "If you want to do it so much, why don't you form your own company?" Yeah, and he was like, "Fine." Um, <laughs> and it's gorgeous. Yeah, and it's good storytelling. I, you know, they did hire a bunch of famous people. But it's not distracting. No. And it feels very natural. I don't. I mean, feel... I had to look up that it was Sandra Bullock. Yeah. You don't yeah. feel like, uh, unlike Shark Tale, where it's like, oh, that's fucking Martin Scorsese yeah. as, you know, whatever. Um, the, it's It feels weighty. The tension, they keep the tension very high. When he goes into the, the river and the blood comes out. When it's when he, like, and as I was saying about the weight of death, like, he self-exiles because he kills yeah. a Egyptian a slave, guard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, a guard, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, the... The revelation of horror, the revelation yeah. of like his privilege is really kind of fascinating. And there's even, they even take the time for Jeff Goldblum's character to be like, you don't care. What do you care? You right. Like, you're not one of us. When he tries to say, like, I'm going to lead you to salvation, they're like, you don't know anything about us. You don't know anything right. about our struggle. You're just here. And why should we believe you? They really. And that's a really hard thing to uh, communicate to children. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and and so they do all these things. They show all, you know, um, the no, not curses. What are they? The the plagues. The, the plagues, plagues. The plagues. Yeah. They show the the plagues. Even them. Oh God! Just the scene itself of them walking away, and that's when you get uh, miracle, believe, whatever. Yeah. It's so um, uplifting and beautiful when he parts the Red Sea. You can see the, like, whales and shit. Yeah, it's a really cool effect. I was like, holy fuck. And in a way that, like, you know, nowadays if somebody did the Ten Commandments, they would do maybe, like, CG and whatnot. But this is the way you've never seen it before yeah. and, and probably won't see it, it it was it was it really was groundbreaking and new and it, it kind of gave me that same feeling. I mean, Shrek gave me the same feeling. Right. You know, like this is new and kind of like unheard of for an American animation studio to tackle. I will say, if I have to knock it, Ray Fiennes, Patrick Stewart are playing people of color. Mm-hmm. It's maybe not the best choice, but also ninety eight was a different time. Was Ray Fiennes is the brother? That's... Is the brother? Patrick Stewart's the king. Is the pharaoh? Sorry. Um, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I, I like their voice performance. I mean, fucking Patrick Stewart, ride or die. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I get it, but also like, right? Yeah. Um, th- there's a lot to love in this movie, and I think um, it, it, it's, it's weird because it's so long before. But what I love is like this movie came out the same year that Ants came out, yeah. and it shows the two tracks that DreamWorks would be writing for a long time. Because, yeah. I mean, I it's worth. She mentioning. has the range. I mean, it's worth mentioning. I didn't care too much about Ants no. at all, and. I mean, Ants leads directly to um, uh, Shark Tale and and even Shrek. Uh, Shrek yeah. is like the best part of that track. Yeah. Know? Gavin, what was your five-star review? So my five-star review, and I've done this before, so I don't know if it's necessarily cheating, but it is a little cheating. I'm going to give my five-star review to the entirety of the Kung Fu Panda films. You have done this before? Yeah, I have done this I'll before. I'll allow it. Um, I love the Kung Fu Panda movies with all my heart. I okay. don't necessarily know why. I think they're very touching. I mean, obviously, like... I'm overweight. <laughs> like I, I relate, relate to, to Poe. I relate to Poe in so many ways. But I, I think it is an important message for children to hear that like your dreams are achievable, mm-hmm. but you have to work for them. Yeah. 
that it is not, you know, and admittedly, there's some stuff I don't love. In the first film, when he's learning that he can do all the kung fu stuff, he, he ends up figuring out that he's super flexible because he climbs uh, a series of cabinets to get to cookies. And and I, and Dustin Hoffman, as, as you know, Sifu, like, does give him... Uh, realizes how to motivate him motivate him in a different way but i think that's what's brilliant about the kung fu panda movies is i think over the course of the films there is a really defined character there's smaller defined character arcs for each film but there's a overall defining character arc for poe himself in a way that you don't find in many especially children's trilogies yeah um and he really learns to become one with himself, but also in accepting him, like, that he is kind of a buffoon, that he's, yeah. a, he's a good time guy. And, yeah. like, you know, even at the at the end of the third movie, he achieves this level that he should, it should not be possible for anybody to achieve. And he's still kind of like, whoa, I'm having fun. I'm crazy. And I, and I love that about the film. I love the dad stuff in the movie, like, in a way that, like, I yeah. did not, like, never expected. Um, I saw the first two on video. And the third movie, I actually went to the theaters to see because I loved how much... And I rewatched all of them for this. But the second movie, at the end of the second movie, mm-hmm. uh, when he comes back home... So he... Poe... Just a real quick synopsis. Poe is a panda. Poe is a panda. Uh, pandals, pandas have been sort of exiled from this mythical China. And also, like, I don't really want to get into the Orientalism of it all because it's not really China. It's no. not. No. It's like... And that's... I mean, I know that's like a, a hand-wavy thing. But they even talked about it that they were not intending to create China as is. You know, it's populated by animals. Pandas have been exiled. Well, not even, like, exiled, but, like, tell me if I'm wrong. In the second movie, they uh, insinuate that this fucking crane kills pandas. I was going to say, you haven't seen the third one. I have not. But I I know that they are out there at Barnaby. At the end of the second one, he's like, my son. Yeah. The which, by the way, is like the most amazing way to do a cliffhanger because that movie doesn't need a cliffhanger. Also, yeah, it doesn't. The, the other thing that's crazy about DreamWorks films I've noticed is even if they have sequels, they say the end at them, and usually if you get a movie that says the end, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but I will say they are t- the crane is telling us that he was out there murdering pandas. Yes, one hundred percent. And and you find out that um, he's not the only one. Yeah. In the third movie. Yeah. Um, but essentially, pandas are gone except for Poe. And the this uh, kung fu master is moving on to a higher plane, and at the same time, his old protege, who wanted to be the dragon warrior, has come as escaped prison, and they need to find the real dragon warrior to defeat this person. And the, before their their master moves on, he tells them it's this buffoon, <laughs> it's this guy, and that's and I love the idea that it's like you don't. It's sort of the opposite of the Brad Bird Pixar films. Brad Bird really believes in personal exceptionalism, which is that, like, you are special. You are always special. And I think the Kung Fu Panda movies are like, no, it's not that you are special, but you can make yourself special. Yeah. You can become special. Like, and and I, I like that idea that, you know, obviously there's an inciting incident that causes him to believe he is this thing. But it, it's really about his journey. The other thing I like about it is it really goes out of its way to define its other characters. Maybe not the rest of the Kung Fu team. They, what are they I, called? The Furious Five? Furious Five, yeah. There's a Mantis by Seth, played by Seth Rogen. There's a um, 
Seth Rogen, who we also see in Monsters and Aliens. Yeah. See, once again, building those relationships. And you got, Jack Black's from Shark Tale. Yeah. You know, so. So you get uh, Angelina Jolie as a tiger. Yes. You get Lucy Liu as a snake. Yes. Um, Jackie Chan is the monkey. Yes. And David Cross is a crane. And and also, speaking of tiger, by the way, uh, she is not sexy. No. And, no, and it's no, no, funny, no. too, because in the third movie, they even redesign her costume. She has the same costume for the first two films. They redesign her costume to make it even less, like, more like a uniform. Excellent. Yeah. And I love that fact. And um, there's no... I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. There's... They are friends. They are yeah. all just friends. There is no love interest. There's, like, in the third movie, there's, there's a character that was written for Rebel Wilson, and then they had to, like not like essentially move on from her and they hired kate hudson they quote unquote rewrote the role for kate hudson but like you can tell those lines are like very like rebel wilson like oh i'm so sexy like yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, you love yeah. me but the funny thing is is they don't end up together um, Great. and i love that and i love that it's not about that for him his journey is about self-discovery mm-hmm. and it's all interior and i and i love all that stuff and i and i think it's very special but what I was saying about the end of the second movie. Yes. So he grew up adopted by... A duck? A, a goose. Duck, a goose. Yeah, yeah. A goose. Who is voiced, nonetheless, by James Hong, who, by the way, if they're going to make a part four, they need to do it fast because James Hong literally just turned 91. Oh, my God. But, but he is, you know, an amazing actor, um, and he's been around for years. Uh, he's adopted by this goose... Uh, and you get to see that in the second film, how he found him. And and it's such a fun relationship because he's a, a goose that wants what's best for his son. But what he thinks is best is continuing on the path that he has lived his life. Yeah. And he it's never it never feels like he doesn't accept his son for who he is, but he just wants what's best for him. And when he realizes that Poe is not the person that he wants him to be, he adjusts. And he decides, I'm going to support you no matter what track you you live your life in. So at the end of the second movie, uh, Poe realizes his his father is his biological father is alive somewhere. His family is alive somewhere, and he comes back to James Hong's character, and he says, "There's something I should tell you. While I was gone, I found the village where I was born." I found out how I ended up in that radish basket. You did? I know who I am. You do? I'm your son. I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. It broke my heart into a billion pieces. And it's beautiful. And I think the third movie actually has some really beautiful moments between uh, Poe's biological father and James Hong's character, um, where he's like, we're both his father. And he needs us both. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really great and really beautiful. Also, it's a wuxia film. And yeah. we, we spoke I about... I literally yeah. was <laughs> thinking that the entire... I was like, this is homage to wuxia films because it is... The whole idea of like, I mean, Poe is obsessed with these kung fu legends. Yeah, he's inspired by them. He cannot believe he's surrounded by them. I love the f- he's such a fangirl. Whenever he's like, oh my god, he really is. He's like Croc, whatever, like a thunder, like and it's and they play a lot of jokes of him like, oh, disc of destruction, and like yeah. nothing, nothing happens or whatever. Um, but they are, and, and I love. There's clearly a knowledge people who are making this movie. Of these yes. Wusha films. And I think it's also just like a lovely 
um, gateway drug for yeah. young kids to be like, oh, I want to go see, you know, uh, an older Jackie Chan movie. And then, oh, you know, Michelle Yeoh. Like, yeah. It's, and it's if you're great. looking for a definition of wuxia films, please go back and listen to our Michelle Yeoh episode. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk all about that. And this film has that, you know, in spades. And what's also cool is we've talked about mixed mediums before. Um, the second movie has a lot of the hand-drawn or, or seemingly hand-drawn animation that almost looks like scrolls. Yeah. Um, the third movie decides to play around with that and does... Uh, a different style of animation, but also does a lot of split screen in a mm. way that was not in the series previously. And I think what it does too is it, even though each film does serve to tell one narrative, I think it also separates each film to give them all a different identity, which I also really appreciate. Um, the villains are all really well crafted. And what's mm-hmm. cool is they really represent different aspects of his, his, yeah. uh, you know, his, his story arc. Yeah, his story arc. And the first is physical. Um, the second is mental. And then the third is spiritual. And it's the first, like, um, supernatural villain in the entire series. Mm. I, as an adult, fell in love with these films. And yep. I, I can only imagine as a, as yep. a kid, like, really just... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, I, I saw... I've seen the first two. Um, and watching the second one this morning, I was like, my God. Like, yeah. this is this is not just, like, fuzzy, frothy entertainment you're seeing parallels of you know you you aren't you aren't who you were. It doesn't matter about your past. It's about what you do with where you're going. And right. Um. And uh, such so fulfilling to see him kind of grow as a character and and fall in love with him more and more. And he's growing. <sighs> but yeah, were there anything else? I mean, um, I remember the first time I watched Turbo, I cried. Yes. So I remember you telling me that I love. I Turbo. watched Turbo. It's fine. Yeah, I rewatched it. Didn't cry this time, but still love it. Um, I think the How to Tame Your Dragons. Um maybe canonically the most hot character is um what's his face uh, hiccup hiccup yeah um canonically yeah. sorry about it yeah he uh, gets and he gets better looking and he gets i mean at the end when he's married and has the beard uh, yeah i was like show me that leg um i think that they're beautiful i think they look amazing yeah. i think the storytelling is very intricate and different than um i, I mean when, yeah i think we would be remiss if we didn't mention the how to train a dragon series i don't know Outside of Kung Fu Panda, if there is a more adult series, um, in fact, they're probably more adult than, um, yeah, Kung oh, Fu Panda. Yeah, they are. I mean, the his whole story about like he is worthy yeah. of leading these people. He is worth. He is not just his dragon. He is, uh, you know, the legacy, continuing a yeah. legacy, um, trying to do good in the world in the face of a lot of danger and um, heartbreak. And there's real consequences. Yes. You mentioned his leg. He loses his leg in the first film. It presents a problem mm-hmm. in the later films uh, and also solution. But I, I also think what's interesting too, and maybe to its detriment, depending on how you feel about something like this, I think they more than any other films um, in, in the DreamWorks canon play more like chapters of a book yeah. than they do movies. Cool. And so I do feel like there is maybe a little dragging in the middle, which I as an adult don't really care about. I'm fine with, but I imagine kids maybe get a little in a way that I wouldn't expect from Cats and Birds. Right. I mean, this series and the Kung Fu Panda series feels like the most, like they had an idea from like one to three, like yeah. there is an arc and to each of these characters and where they're going. Um, I don't think I felt that like with Madagascar and Shrek. It kind of no, feels absolutely not. Very absolutely. like yeah, yeah. It's as it comes movie by movie. Yeah, yeah. These feel like 
I am now complete with the story and these characters, you know, and I don't need anything else. I feel very smart um, and just like luxurious. <laughs> like, I mean, how to tame your dragon. I keep saying tame. How to train your dragon uh, is, uh, yeah, it was nominated. Three was nominated for an Oscar this last year. It yeah. lost to Toy Story 4. It lost to Toy Story 4. Fucking which I can't imagine. Garbage. Which admittedly didn't see Toy Story 4, but did watch How to Train Your Dragon 3 and loved it. Yeah. So like, yeah, and we mentioned, you know, and there is there is a bunch in their canon. I I watched Megamind, rewatched Megamind. I forgot how much about toxic masculinity it is and like yeah. how how like deep and great that is. And plus how funny um, Tina Fey and Will Ferrell are together. Yeah, for sure. Um, the... Uh, oh, what was the other? Oh, the Boss Baby. The Boss, boss baby. baby. And we and we will get to our closing in a bit. But Boss Baby is so deeply weird, and Very I kind of loved it for yeah. that. I for I had never seen it. Watched it for yeah. this, and I was like, this isn't nearly as stupid as I thought it was going to be. No, and that's that's what I was going to mention in the one star reviews. But I'll bring it up now. DreamWorks' biggest problem is advertising. Fire your entire advertising division because they advertise these films and they are nothing with it. Like I thought home was going to be a movie about an alien lost on earth. Yeah. No, it is not. It's so much deeply weirder than that. Boss baby. I thought was just going to be your run of the mill. Like, no, it's fucking weird. Yeah. And like, I feel like they should play into the weirdness. These are not straightforward. Lean into the weird and also lean into like, there's, there is depth here. There is depth to boss baby. There is depth to home. Um, that, DreamWorks does not feel they're always advertising to the dumbness. Yes. And there's sometimes things are dumb and I love it, but like there is more here. Right. Like you're selling yourself short by not, you know, telling how to train your dragon is not just like cool action dragons. Right. Like there is consequence. There is weight here. Leave that to elimination. Ah! <laughs> Drag. Before we move into our fast forward, let's do our mixed reviews reviews. Yes. My one star review is 2010's Shrek Forever After. And my one-star review is 2016's Trolls. My five-star review is 1998's The Prince of Egypt. And my five-star review is 2008's 2011 and 2015's Kung Fu Panda series. Trilogy. Trilogy, yes. So let's move into our fast forward. So looking to the future... We 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 are in a Katzenberg less yes uh, DreamWorks, and we've been here for just a tiny bit. But I feel like because we've only been there since 2016, mm-hmm. we mentioned it takes about four years for these movies we are to be now made. Just we're really free from the Katzenberg, yeah. and so that's what you had mentioned. Yeah. We're we're getting a new Spirit movie, yes, um, and we are also getting a new Crudes movie. Um, which we haven't talked about a lot, but you know it's fine. It's good. It's Wait, and it's also the most time that there has been between a sequel, a sequel, and they because the originals what 2011, I want to say, uh, 2013. Yeah. So it's now been seven years. It it does look like DreamWorks is looking to their catalog yes. and seeing like what can we do to continue on some of these things. Make um. And they have promised, I mean, uh, Trolls World Tour comes out. Yes, um, Trolls comes soon. And April 17th, so just a couple months from now. Um, as you mentioned, Crudes 2 is December 23rd of this year. Boss Baby 2 is set for next year. Um, the Bad Guys, which I mentioned earlier before, is 2021. So they're, like, that's their only original property on the schedule. Right. I... Are you nervous? I'm nervous because... Are you scared? I'm <laughs> a little. Um, well, my pants are back on. Uh, but the... Uh, I'm nervous about, you know, uh, 
fatigue. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to see them burn out on all these sequels. Obviously, once again, The Croods has been out of out of play for a long time. There has been a, a cartoon series, which also does look hand-drawn, but I think is CG. Um, but this will be the first, like, official sequel. Right. Um, but I do, I do worry for them that, you know, that they're going, they have this IP and they're just going to drown them to death. Because like I said, they have promised more Shrek. Promise more right. puss and boots. The threat of Shrek Five yeah. is ever present. Exactly, it's it's on the horizon. Um, I don't need another Trolls. Obviously, it connects with kids, but I don't need it. No. Um, Boss Baby Two is interesting, but d- did did that end in a way that said it needed no. more to say? No. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You know, they've just completed these trilogies that are the mainstays. And so I'm wondering if they're like, okay, what else can we look at to continue on? Because maybe they've decided, let's put away Kung Fu Panda and right. Madagascar. They're looking inward and saying, okay, we've, we've just closed some pretty big chapters in our, in our IPs. Let's look elsewhere. And so looking at the Croods, which stars Emma Stone and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Um, I can... And Nicolas Cage. Every kid's favorite. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not as worried, I guess, because it looks like they're dipping into um, IPs that clearly they haven't looked at before yeah. i would be i would be nervous if they were doing the pixar thing of being like toy story 4 you know like yeah. we, we haven't besides shrek and god help us can they put it away but i would not <laughs> how many times have you said that this week hello um i just i i think if they've you know they're they've got a, one or two new things on the horizon original things but are saying like okay well maybe we can do a trilogy of crudes maybe we can do a trilogy of whatever's I'm not too mad at that, I guess. Um, it'll be interesting to see like what Comcast Universal kind of has in store with them. Um, I'm interested in them continuing to push to diversify their um, works. I wonder, like, sometimes I'm like, are there any fucking Hollywood people left? Right. It'll be interesting to see where they go looking forward. I mean, can you believe we barely talked about B-Movie? I know. I know. And Katzenberg was famous for doing stunts. Like, he flew um, Jerry Seinfeld to Khan in a bee costume. So, like, that, like yeah. These Released were... bees at yeah, Khan. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone ran in fear. Um, yeah. I, I like the less celebrity-driven DreamWorks. Yeah. And it'll be very nice to see where they continue to go. I'm glad Abominable just came out. Made a bunch of money. Um, it, yeah. And it was fine. Yeah, I, 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 you know, what's funny is, and then once again, I, I'm such a sucker for dad stuff. Um, but the, there's a moment in Abominable where she realizes the, the Yeti is taking her to all the spots her father wanted to go before he passed away. And they finally get to the great Buddha and it's, it's a nice moment. But then at the very end of the credits of the movie, there's a photo of her and her mom and her grandmother at the Great Buddha. And I lost my shit. I watched through the end credits and then it made me cry. Just yeah. for that moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> damn you. Upset. Yeah, I am upset, DreamWorks. How dare you manipulate me this way? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of, it's also interesting to uh, think about. Unlike in Disney realm where it's very like laser focused. Yeah. I love the freedom of DreamWorks uh, and they're really able to go anywhere. Um, And once again, I don't think they like losing money, but it does feel like that they are smart about taking on projects that might not 
make them as much money as something like Disney would. And I like, once again, I like the fact that they mine children's books. I yeah. like the fact that they buy these properties and get interested in these properties. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're so like, uh, I mean, in of themselves, they are diverse. Like we yeah. have Kung Fu over here. We've got like Nordic dragons over there. Right. We've got Captain Underpants. Like it's right. They are playing the entire children's field. Um, and it doesn't have to be princesses and it doesn't have to be, you know, just action. Like, yeah, it, their take on fast cars is about snails. I think yeah. that's so interesting and fun. Um, and I hope we get more of that. Me too. So I think that's a really good place to leave DreamWorks. Uh, obviously, they have a bright future ahead of them. They just turned 25. Wow. It's crazy that we condensed 25 years into one podcast episode. But there you have it. There you go. So that's DreamWorks. And I guess if you have any more questions, concerns, comments, you can always find us at The Mixed Reviews online on our Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or also on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us with questions, comments, concerns at with reviewsmix at gmail.com we're also on instagram uh the underscore mix underscore reviews absolutely and if you listen to us on apple podcasts or stitcher radio or spotify google play music iHeartMedia, you can leave us a five-star review and leave us a little love note and if you write something nice we'll uh mention it on the air if you write something mean we're not gonna mention we're not on the air we're not gonna do it no. um also just again thanks to jane and her um, recommendation absolutely um, if you have a recommendation send it our way if you uh you think we didn't talk about the b movie enough or whatever l- let us know listen these uh, these can't be for our podcast. <laughs> I will not let it happen. Just let us know, and uh, you know we take all your kind and thoughtful uh, insights and uh, words to heart. Um, engage with us. Yes, absolutely. This discussion is tabled for two weeks, and we'll come back. But remember, there can be miracles when you believe. When you believe. Oh, I love that song. Bye. Bye. Bye.